everybody. Welcome to B.O. Boys for Monday, November 29th. Fuck it. It's a raw feed. We're doing it live. I'm Clayton. Gobble, gobble. I'm Pat. Oh, gobble, gobble. Yes. The post-Turkey Day B.O. Boys. It's a tradition just like football. Mm-hmm. Just like undoing your belt. You got to undo your belt. And you got to listen to the B.O. boys go over the Thanksgiving frame results. You have to do it. When do you usually rebuckle your belt? How many days does it take? I, I always think that it's not worth rebuckling until the new year. Because you're going to unbuckle after Thanksgiving. And then it's a quick turnaround to... You know, the December holidays, your Hanukkahs, your Kwanzaa's, your, I mean, let's just say your Christmas, and mm-hmm. you're going to eat, and you're going to eat, and you're going to eat, and you're going to sit and watch movies, and why waste time buckling your belt? It's, wait until after New Year's, you hit the gym, and then you get yourself back into belt buckling shape. So if you hear some something that sounds like jingling bells... It, it might not be jingling bells. What it might be is a belt buckle mm-hmm. just wide open, bouncing around. Yep. Yep. Yeah, it, it's just a belt buckle. And listen, your belt's unbuckled, so be careful because it's going to want to slide off to the floor. So you got to be mindful of that. But I would still say don't buckle it until after the rest of the holidays. Great. Well, right now we got to buckle down and do this plow. Yes, we have got to. And you know what? It's December, it's snow season, or it's almost December, so I think now it's time for some real seasonal plowing. Yes, absolutely. There's going to be some accumulation that we're going to have to move around. Mm-hmm. Now, this is for the, we're going to do the three-day three weekend first for the weekend of November 26th, and then we're going to get into five-day numbers, because those are important. Mm-hmm. Number one, in Kanto, $27.2 million dollars. It is number one in its first weekend. Ghostbusters Afterlife, $24.2 million, dropped just 45%. It is now, along with its its five-day, standing at $87.5 million in its second weekend. Number three, House of Gucci, $14.4 million, it's number three in its first weekend in the five-day. It's up to $22 million. Eternals is number four, $7.9 million, down only 28%. It lost a good amount of theaters, 890 theaters. It is now standing at $150.7 million in its fourth frame and squeaking into the fifth Spot Resident Evil Welcome to Raccoon City made $5.3 million. It has a five day total of $8.8 million in its first weekend. And that is your top five. So let's see. So we have got in that top five three new movies, three opening weekend movies, and a couple of holdovers. So do we want to start? backwards the opposite way that you plow is there anything to say about this new resident evil welcome to raccoon city um you know i'm looking at it compared to the other resident evil films 
So the last Resident Evil movie we had was in January of 2017. So that opened to 13 million on its way to making 26. Now that would have been, I guess, the last Mila Jovovich Resident Evil. Mm-hmm. So this is no Mila Jovovich. So we see the big drop off, but this was a franchise that was already on the decline because the Resident Evil that came out in 2012, that opened at 21 million on its way to 42 million. So the Resident Evil's you know, even with Jovovich had basically been cut almost in half. The opening weekend and the domestic total was cut in half between the 2012 and the 2017 editions. So this one just kind of kept going in that way. I Are you a gamer, Clayton? You know, I don't know if I actually have ever asked you this. Are you a gamer? I'm not a gamer, no. So... You know, as a not a gamer, you don't know if the Resident Evil video game franchise has declined in popularity or has made new additions. You, you as an as a not gamer, you're you don't know that information. It's a blind spot for me. I would say I'm completely in the dark as to whether a Resident Evil. I I, I do think that Raccoon City is something from the video games, obviously. And that may have been something that had come out in the last couple of years. Okay. Uh, something that has Raccoon City in its title. I don't know because, again, I'm not a gamer. Okay. So as not a gamer, it's tough for us. And I, I'm sure there are, you know, there is that Venn diagram of wannabe old boys, wannabe old girls, wannabe old people. People. Who are also gamers. So the people in the middle of that Venn diagram, they might be screaming right now just screaming no resident evil video games are as popular as ever it's just the movies that have declined in popularity but the video games are so popular they might be screaming that we don't know well we had a similar issue i think with the mortal kombat ip because we were under the understanding that mortal kombat was a bunch of video games that came out when we were kids and we would we would go to the if you can believe this, mm-hmm. we would go to something called a arcade, and we would put quarters into the Mortal Kombat machines mm-hmm. and play it that way. And we thought that, you know, the 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 height of the popularity was back when we were kids. And it turns out that Mortal Kombat is a very popular video game franchise, and we found that out by. All that reporting that people did after Mortal Kombat did pretty well, surprisingly well, for an HBO Max day and date film. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, I mean, listen, we can't be everywhere at all times. So, we can't be knowing everything about the box office and then also knowing everything about gaming. But in terms of box office, it is clear this is a film franchise. You know, maybe not a video game franchise on the decline, but a film franchise on the decline. They they tried to use Raccoon City as a big get for the for the video game fans, we think. And it didn't really work. So I do wonder it had been four years since the last movie. I do wonder if Resident Evil is still a viable movie theater franchise going forward or is this a USA Network series type of IP at this point 
Well, I mean, I think we're talking streamers at this point, right? Right. I mean, we're talking the basic cable there. So, I mean, we're really off base there. I'm just saying, you know, that that seems to be the next step for a lot of these former film franchises that maybe aren't viable in theaters anymore. So I wonder if this $5 million opening weekend starts to point towards Resident Evil is headed to USA Network headed to, you know, TNT, you know, it might be, it might be something that uh, we get a segment on Nuvi someday talking about the, uh, the first season of Resident Evil on TNT. Who knows? Who knows? But I think the big thing here too is Mila Jovovich is not in this film. And that, that, that probably made this, uh, had an impact. Right, right. So they've, they've always got that trump card to play of, if she comes back, you make a big deal about she's back. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. So I guess the Resident Evil franchise at this point either needs to go Streamo, Basic Cable-O, or Mila Jovovich Return-O. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Looking down the list, I mean, Eternals, I think this is a great hold, 28% in its fourth week. I mean, I think this kind of shows, like we kind of talked about, there's a Marvel's impervious. It doesn't matter if the movie's bad. People, it's just people are going to go and, uh, you know, it, it really doesn't matter what the movie is. Yeah, at this point, when you when you look down the list even further, you see No Time to Die. That's at 158 domestic. Eternals is only eight million dollars off of that. Right, right, right. A a pretty much reviled Marvel movie is going to outgross domestically. Bond the the final uh, Daniel Craig Bond Eternals is going to beat that. Like, I think at this point, you know, uh, uh, it, it's it's a slam doink. Eternals is going to make another 8 to $10 million and is going to pass Bond. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, Marvel is just impervious to reviews, to tweets, and even to their moviegoers' feelings on the movie. None of it matters. Yeah. If this can succeed, then anything can succeed. Now... We're saying succeed with a grain of salt because obviously this isn't this isn't going to be one of those movies that is going to blow the barn doors off. No, but no. it's going to be forgotten. It's going to be totally forgotten once Spider Man kind of sets the world on fire, which is what we're expecting December seventeenth. A hundred percent. And like we said, I think all it, will be forgiven. Yes, and listen, the Eternals characters will end up being cameos in the background of a future Ant-Man movie of a future Thor movie. They're going to be, you know, just hanging out behind a a space dumpster in a Guardians of the Galaxy movie. That's where those characters will be, but the movie itself is not going to be the disaster that everyone thought it might have been based on the reviews. Yeah, so this top three, you know, 
it's interesting because we do have two newbies here, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and we have a new number one film. We do, but I got, but I gotta say, the big story is Ghostbusters Afterlife. A hundred percent, I agree. The, Encanto is a footnote to Ghostbusters Afterlife. Yeah, let's when okay. You, so let's save Encanto and Gucci. Let's talk Ghostbusters Afterlife number two, twenty four million dollars. I mean, I think the thing you're zoning in on, if you want to talk about, is that drop, that second week, or that hold. The, yes. Yeah. The the yeah. So five for five day for afterlife thirty five point three million dollars. <sighs> wow. Wow. And it compared to forty point three for Encanto, a brand new Disney animated film. That's pretty nuts. Wow. I mean, that that hold for Ghostbusters Afterlife is incredible because we've been talking about it all year. The, the big movies, you know, post-COVID, um, and this has been the case for years, big, big number one openers typically have fairly big drops, even if they end up being leggy hits. They always have that big second weekend drop. And we've seen that especially this year. You know, even things that we have deemed successful, like F9, like Black Widow, these movies all have 50 to 60% drops. And this movie had a 45% drop. That's incredible. Yeah, it's at 87.5 right now. I mean, this movie's going to be at 100 mm-hmm. by next weekend. Yeah. If yeah. you would have told me that two years ago or three years ago, whatever it was, when this trailer came out, that this would be in its in its second weekend edging its way to $100 million, I would have thought you were crazy. Yeah. 100%. And I also would have wished you would have told me other stuff other than just that. Right, because it was that long ago. Like, give me a heads up about other stuff. But, but I'll. Uh, to be fair, to be fair, if it's a couple of years ago, and you're someone who could see the future, and sure, there's some other things that happened in 2020, 20, you know, 2020, 2021, that. A, a, a someone with uh, future seeing abilities might have wanted to warn people about, but honestly, Ghostbusters Afterlife having only a forty five percent drop in its second weekend, I do think that's also the thing I would have gone to first. That, because it's to, so shocking. It's so it's, shocking. It's just so shocking. It's so shocking. You know and. There's other things. I'm not going to deny other things didn't happen in 2020 that it would have been helpful to give humanity a heads up about if you're a, a fortune teller or a future seer. But you can't blame that person for the first thing on their list being Ghostbusters Afterlife had an incredible hold in its second weekend in November of 2021. I, that that's the to me that is the big story. If you have future seeing abilities, a few years ago, and also uh, about the other stuff too. The more I think about it, what, what am I going to do about it? 
What would I? What could I do about that with that information? If I'm as a bo boy told this information, that's something I can run with. Right, right, because that would have helped you make a more informed prediction on our podcast a few weeks ago. If someone a couple of years ago had given you information about the other things that happened in 2020, Clayton, Pat, you know, I would say almost all, if not all of our listeners, there's nothing we could have done about that stuff. None none, none of us are any real positions of power, uh, you know, other than, of course, about box office prognosticating. But you know, I I don't think the Centers for Disease Control or any other place they're they're not listening to this podcast. No, they have their hands full. Yeah. So yeah, that that's that would have been the big story if you were able to see the future, because it all comes down to none of us saw this coming. None of us saw Ghostbusters Afterlife having this kind of hold. But I guess what this does is show that the uh the tactic taken by Jason Reitman and the studio and making this one FTF for the fans, I guess it paid off because the fans, they liked what they got that first weekend and they liked what they heard was in this movie. And they either went back or they went in the second weekend. The FTF strategy paid off for Afterlife. And this is a film that families are going to see. Mm -hmm. And in a climate where even the CEO of Disney, Bob Chapek, Chapek, however you want to say it, he is saying that, oh, families aren't going to the theater. Well, they are. They are going to the theater because we're seeing that with Ghostbusters Afterlife. We're seeing that with Clifford. We're seeing that with Encanto, even though it didn't do as well as you would think. I, a lot of people are saying it's it's one of those movies that is a sleeper. It's going to be a movie that has a long tail. Mm-hmm. People are going to be watching it on Disney+, Plus, which is all Disney wants anyway. Right. It did go number one, which is a huge win for them, even if it was barely by the skin of its teeth. But families are going back to the theater. Mm-hmm. It's happening. Yes. And that's a good sign. And I think... Encanto suffered because there was this other movie that a lot of families wanted to see, or at least adults in that family wanted to drag their kids to. Right. And I think this shows the weakness of Encanto in that the kids who may or may not have wanted to see Afterlife, let's assume they did not, their their parents or guardians over Thanksgiving weekend were telling them, we're going to go see Ghostbusters again. I got to see Murray. I got to see Aykroyd. I got to see Ernie Hudson on the big screen again. Any bots. And the kids may have, you know, put up a little bit of a fight and said, oh, why don't we go see Encanto? But the kids didn't really have the energy to, to, to put up that fight because Encanto just wasn't the hill for them to die on. Yeah, they didn't dig their their heels in for it. Right, right. In a way that, you know, if Moana was opening this weekend or if Coco had been opening or if, of course, a Frozen movie was opening this weekend, those kids would have put their P 
parents and guardians on the cross. They would have dug their heels in. They would have pushed back and they would have said, I'm not seeing Dan Aykroyd for a second weekend in a row on the big screen. I want to see Moana. I want to see this Frozen movie. But for Encanto, they couldn't. The kids were like, you know what? Fine. Just drag me again. And that worked. So Ghostbusters Afterlife, this great hold. What do we think this now tells us? It's at $87.5 million. What does this tell us about the Ghostbusters IP? I mean, it's a, it's it's ahead of the answer the call. Yes. It's a few percentage points uh, above that at this point. But again, this movie had our uh, wannabe a boy, Austin, always sending us great emails. We didn't get to uh, talk about his email from the previous week because we actually recorded early. Mm-hmm. But he mentions the how well Sony does with budgets mm-hmm. and how they keep their budgets low. So that's why they can promote these films, make these films, and and get a, t- a tidy profit. And that's the thing is this, this afterlife is a lower budget and it's making more at this point in its run than a very high budgeted failure of a reboot mm-hmm. with Ghostbusters Answer the Call. So I think it's in a good place. I think when you're looking at something like Ghostbusters versus Transformers, which had Bumblebee, mm-hmm. I would I would give the nod to Ghostbusters right now because Bumblebee was a family skewing film and I saw it was cute. I liked it better than this film, and I'm no lover of Transformers, Mm -hmm. but it didn't grab a hold of the audience the way this has. Well, I mean, not to to relitigate Bumblebee, I think that the franchises are, are, the, the Ghostbusters franchise and the Transformers franchises are just wildly different expectations, you know, because Bumblebee was a smaller version of or a smaller sequel within a franchise where every one of those movies had been making a billion dollars. And I think Afterlife is in a good spot because it is a sequel that comes after 2016's Answer the Call, a movie that was kind of a failure. And so the ceiling is lower for the Ghostbusters movies overall than the Transformers movies. So... A smaller budgeted, family friendly type movie just makes a lot more sense within the Ghostbusters franchise because these movies shouldn't be mega budgeted and they shouldn't have the uh, uh, expectation of making a billion dollars. You know, this this is where I guess these movies need to be, which is you budget them so that if this movie gets to $120 million, it's a huge hit. Yeah. And yeah, right now, after the second week, it's exactly $1 million ahead of the 2016 Answer the Call. And you figure that this is going to hold better. And that movie ended up at $128 million by the end domestic. So, I mean, that's kind of where now we think you think afterlife could get to it could get to 125 130 million dollars yeah yeah i mean i, I mean i think that i think that they're in a, a much better spot than we would have 
thought they'd be, uh, you know, just a couple weeks ago. Yeah. I mean, this has been a great Thanksgiving weekend, I'm sure, for Dan Aykroyd. Because of everyone involved in Ghostbusters, Aykroyd's always been the one uh, clanging the bell, blowing the whistle, running through town, you know, on a horse like Paul Revere, telling everyone we got to do another Ghostbusters. This is his baby. And he's got the hit. They'll, I'm sure they'll make another one. So you got to figure Aykroyd, he ate and he drank and he enjoyed himself this Thanksgiving. So the budget for Afterlife was $75 million. Do you want to guess how much the budget was for Ghostbusters Answer the Call? I would, I think it's around double. I think it's like $150 million. You are so close. It's more, right? It was a little less. Okay. But it's always a little more than mm. what they say. Mm-hmm. It was $144 million. Wow. I mean, that was the big problem with that Ghostbusters movie. Because that, you know, Answer the Call made 128 domestic. So for that amount, you should be able to, to have yourself a hit Ghostbusters movie. And yeah, I, that's yeah. the big problem. That budget was too high, and this movie, a $75 million budget, is going to be a big hit, and Aykroyd's going to get to be the star of another Ghostbusters movie. Yeah, it's true. We're going to be seeing a lot more of them. Yeah. And I guess good for the fans. This one was FTF, and the Fs came out. Now, let's talk about the father, the son, mm. and the house of Gucci. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is a film we saw Thanksgiving night. Yes, we did. It was a family outing. Mm-hmm. And we, I mean, we don't, we're not critics. We don't, we don't. You know, we're not here to give thumbs up, thumbs down. We're not going to give rotten or fresh. Oh, God. But I will say we all had a good time. Oh, yes. We loved it. And, the, the group we were and, with loved it. And we were kind of diverse, I guess, in gender and age at the very least. Yes. Of the four people, there were... Two males and two females, and there were, well, three people who were basically the same age, and then one person who was old. So, but one, and, and we but were one, all of the one same. One of them was fe- one of one of the people the same age was female. Yes. So not diverse at all, I guess. Not and and not at all uh, ethnically or racially diverse in any way. Not in the least bit. So, but still, I mean, listen, we weren't. We weren't four guys born on the same day, so give us that. No, we weren't the three uh, three identical strangers or, or whatnot. Right, right. It wasn't the three identical strangers then finding the fourth identical stranger and then all going to see House of Gucci. This was not that. No, it was not. So we we enjoyed our we enjoyed it, and it seemed like a lot of people. Our agent up went to see this film. Mm-hmm. 
which was good. Now, it had a three-day of 14.4 and a five-day of 22. Now, I kind of feel like I pegged that, didn't I? Yes, I was probably a little higher on this. I think I thought that the five-day was going to get to 30. I think I might have gone 20 million opening weekend and and five day of 30. And I think you pretty much nailed this. Mm hmm. Yeah, which which is surprising because this was such a big question mark. Mm hmm. And the thing that we were talking about last week before this came out was this movie is going to be a. I think a big movie we look back to when we talk about whether or not adult movies, and again, we're not talking porno movies, huh? We're talking about Mm-mm. dramas that are are aimed at adults, you know, non-IP, non-superhero movies. And House of Gucci's box office run is going to tell us a lot about whether those movies are viable theatrically. And I think that this opening weekend is an overall good sign for that. Yeah. I mean, this is the biggest drama opening in the last two years Mm -hmm. behind Little Women, which opened over Christmas 2019, made $6.7 million in in its three-day, $29.2 in its five-day, and... This is uh, both movies were movies that women showed up for, mm-hmm. and 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 that's uh, women and older adults, and and those are some of the people that have been staying away from the theater, and they're coming back in force. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just need the product. They need the product, and they need the the stars. And I think to to whatever degree House of Gucci, you know, was a hit this weekend and ends up being a hit. I mean, to me, this is a big win for Lady Gaga. She's the difference maker between a movie like this and if the same exact movie starred and, you know, not to throw her under the bus, she's a great actress, but, you know, a Charlize Theron or, I don't know, there was a, I, uh, I've heard how a few years ago there was a version of this movie that was uh, in development with Angelina Jolie in this role. Mm-hmm. And I think the thing that makes this special as a theatrical movie, you know, it's not a superhero, it's not an IP, but you go see this on the big screen because it's Lady Gaga. It's not just an actress. It is a giant star. Yeah, she's, I mean, it's it's akin to Cher. It is, but it's, I would say it's different now because Cher was a, a huge pop star who started doing movies in a time when there were also giant movie stars who were regularly pulling in big box office as movie stars. You know, Cher started doing movies but there are there are, there were movie stars and obviously there are movie stars now but there are so many there's so uh much fewer of them you know so lady gaga's coming in at a time when there aren't that many stars anymore who could 
you know, you put them above the title and that's going to, that's going to mean box office. So she's, you know, Lady Gaga is coming in and she's making herself special. Yep. And I'm looking at this deadline report from Anthony D. Alessandro, who I think we do have to mention in a little bit, had a cut the shit moment in his article, but we'll get to that. But in his report, you know, he talks about, he always gives the breakdown of who has social media pull when a movie comes out. Because listen, that's part of being a movie star now. And Lady Gaga, across her platforms, has 188.7 million followers. You know, so for comparison, the person in this movie who had the next highest amount of followers is Salma Hayek at 22.7. You know, so Lady Gaga, you put her in her movie and she has just got super fans. She's got her version of the wannabe old boys, wannabe old girls, wannabe old people. People. But she's got her version of that kind of fan base. They're little monsters. She's got her little monsters. And listen, we know it from our experience having a giant, you know, having a, a fan base that's rabid. She's got that rabid fan base. And when she's in a movie, she's going to get them to do something they normally don't do, which is go to a movie theater. Yeah, that's true. She's gonna she's gonna pull in the casuals, mm-hmm. the casual movie goer who also happen to be little monsters when it comes to her. So they're they're rabid on one end of the media spectrum, but they're not rabid about movies. Right. But you got to get some of that rabidity to transfer to the big screen, and it doesn't hurt that she, I believe, is actually a talented actress. She does in her two parts that were big star parts, she does what she needs to do with what she has. Oh, for sure. She's good. You know, it doesn't work um, if she is just a pop star because we've seen that. She has to be good. And she got the nom 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 for Star is Born. I think House of Gucci, she's got a very good chance of getting a nom nom nom. So... You know, that's a movie star right there. Two movies, two nom nom noms, perhaps. And House of Gucci, if this ends up being a hit, I think, listen, we love Al Pacino. Adam Driver's a great actor. Jared Leto is a fascinating experiment. But none of them are the reason why House of Gucci ends up being a hit. If it's a hit, it's Lady Gaga. And this opening weekend is Lady Gaga. Yeah. So you mentioned D'Alessandro, and usually he's pretty even-handed. He gets a little he gets a little chippy now and then, mm-hmm. but he had a full-on cut-the-shit moment because he's fed up. Yep. And I'm going to read some of this verbatim because we were cracking up at this in a good way. We were enjoying uh, D'Alessandro putting you know putting the strap down mm-hmm. on. These people who want to judge box office the way it used to be. So this Mm -hmm. is what he says. He says, the media, including myself, and that's him saying myself, not including the B.O. boys. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying myself. I'm saying him. I'm saying myself is in his self. Mm -hmm. Are dying, just dying to go back to the old ways of analyzing box office gross receipts, declaring immediate bombs, accusing studios of over or underspending and the whole WTF of it all. He goes on to talk about some pandemic type stuff. And then he says, 
House of Gucci is looking at a 20 million plus five day, and that's a victory worth celebrating. As 31% of its audience was over 45, the best BO result we've seen for an older audience film in the pandemic, which is very encouraging for this hesitant audience. The optics of this gross are worth a huge pat on the back for UAR, which is United Artists. So what if it costs seven million before PA? What movies with stockpiled interest costs are actually profiting in their theatrical window in this hobbled global pandemic marketplace? To piss on them and say that they're they're not Oh wait, sorry. God damn, I fucked it up because that would have been great. To piss on them and say that they're not is an unrealistic understanding about the current marketplace that we're in as foreign markets like China have theaters which are closed, blah, 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 blah. How about the media actually realizes that this year's Thanksgiving five day for all films is plus 583% from 2020's 21.3 million when exhibition in in particular New York and L.A. were closed. That year was the five-day debut of Crude's A New Age. Remember that one, Pat? Oh, I remember that. We were there. Yeah, during that time was 14.7 million, and the maximum theaters Universal could book then were only 2,211. I think it's fair to say we're making up great ground, and we'll continue to do so especially with industry estimates seeing Sony's Spider-Man No Way Home as one of the top five openings for the month of December with at least $100 million. Now, he he goes off because he says, listen, the playing field is different. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We can't judge. This is It's just like when you look at basketball now and you say, oh, well, Bob Cousy was the best player ever. It's like, well, you can't judge Bob Cousy against... LeBron James. No. And we and here's the thing that the BO boys do really well, I think. We're going to pat ourselves on the back here. Is that we understand that we're in the middle of the ocean feeling our way towards land. And we're just now figuring out these things and the the way streaming day and date can work or PVOD can work or premier access can work and we never ever said, this is how it is, and it's never going to change. Mm-hmm. We weren't like that. No. We no. dealt with ambiguity. Smart people, intelligent people deal with ambiguity. And there needs to be more people like us, Anthony D'Alessandro, of course, um, our, our, our boy uh, uh, Scott Mendelson at Forbes. Right. Jeff Bach yeah. at Civil Relations Co. is, is great at, at uh, seeing shades of gray and understanding ambiguity. And speaking of Gray, Brandon Gray, guy who's who's starting a box office revival over there on Clubhouse. These are the minds and the and the people who are needed. It, all those other people who are, oh, my job is to write about uh, the housewives and box office. We don't need you because you don't understand. Right, right, right. Let, let the adults speak. You know how at Thanksgiving there's the adult table and the kids table? At least back when we grew up. Mm-hmm. We're the adults at the adult table. You kids can chatter and tweet and do what you want. Right. But we're here and the adults are talking and the adults are going back to the theater. Right. Right. Now I think you have the, the there's no kids table because I think the kids are all sitting on the adults laps and, and the kids are the ones speaking. 
Yeah, and they're getting fed like uh, uh, Alicia Silverstone's kids. Right, right. Like baby birds. Right. So Chewing up food, spitting them in the mouth. But here at the adults' table of this box office Thanksgiving, you've got Anthony D'Alessandro cutting the shit, making the great point that right now, don't worry about whether House of Gucci is going to be profitable in its theatrical run. The main takeaway is that an audience that has been slow to come back to theatrical movie going, they came back this past weekend because of this movie. And it's important because it shows that that audience is still there. This older audience will come back if they're given a reason to. And Lady Gaga was a reason to. I mean, look at our small, not very diverse sample size that we went out to see this movie with this weekend. One of the people was an older person who does not really go to movies very often, even no. before times. Not not even COVID reasons, but even before times, this is not a frequent movie goer. This is a someone who needs a special reason to go. And this person's special reason was Lady Gaga. That was yes. the draw. And it just goes to show that audience is there. They could be gotten, but you're going to need something great or a star, a true star. And right now, Lady Gaga was that star, and she got that audience to maybe not come out to the tune of this. wasn't a $50 million opening, but it was for sure good enough, and it was a great sign. Yes, because as much as the rats need their cheese, mm-hmm. the adults need their brie. Yes. yes. And that's what this is. This was brie. Yep. Was it great brie? No. But brie is brie sometimes right. when you want brie. Right, right, right. So you bring your crackers. The old people, they brought their crackers or this, and not saltines. They brought good like sea salt crackers. Or the ones with all the seeds in them. Yep. And they finally got some brie this weekend. They got an adult drama with a uh, capital M, capital S movie star. And a lot of other big, you know, big, I would say value adds. I mean, Al Pacino is really... uh, I think maybe even more than someone like a De Niro or some of his other contemporaries, he is becoming a a value add at the theater. I think he was a big value add in this movie. And the, he, he helped get some of those old people out. You know, Lady Gaga mm-hmm. was the draw, and then Al Pacino maybe gave this a uh, uh, an air of legitimacy that this movie needed for that audience. I mean, I think Driver is a draw to a certain audience. Mm-hmm. You know, Leto, the, his performance has been touted as as batshit. Yes. Yeah. Other people's words are not mine, and right. I think that drew some people in. So there, there were things that were things to 
draw some of the scattered masses in, but like you said, Gaga was the magnet that brought the people in, and and that's big. And we'll see. This movie has some legs. There's not doesn't seem to be anything really for adults for the next couple of weeks, other than limited releases. Mm-hmm. So it, it could it could do well and have some legs. But yeah, it it really could, and I think the 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 great thing to take away from what Anthony D. Alessandro said in his article, his cut the shit moment was, look at Thanksgiving weekend one year ago, we were all losing our minds because the crude's a new age, and not to discount them, we needed them at that time, but that the crude's open to what fourteen million dollars in the five day, mm-hmm. and. I mean, we we got weeks out of talking about that on this show. It's a historical document, our 2020 B.O. Boy season. Yeah. And it was huge at the time. But you look at that year compared to what we had this weekend where House of Gucci came in third, opening at $14.5 million for the three-day, 22 for the five-day. You had a Encanto opening... At uh, what did it open up at? Uh, open at again? And Kanto opened at twenty-seven million, and Ghostbusters did twenty-four million for a three-day. So, in one year, things have gotten a lot better, and let's not lose sight of that. And this was without Top Gun Maverick, which was supposed to come out this right. week. And if it would have come out this week, it would have made Baffa Bobo. Yep. Yep. But let's talk about. Let's go from the let's go from the big house to the art house. Yes, we got to talk about this. Licorice Pizza, PTA, Paul Thomas Anderson's latest. So just went nuts, went mm-hmm. ape shit all over the New York and LA. Mhm. And it made $336,000 in its three-day. But its per-screen average was 84.1,000, well, $84,000. Wow. Wow. That is insane. That You know how they're saying that the art house wasn't coming back? Well, it just came back, baby, in a yeah. big way. And and again, it's it needs the draw. It needs the stars. You know, the same way the adult drama needed Lady Gaga, the art house needed. I guess what you you would say is their biggest star, which is Paul Thomas Anderson. Yeah, I would say he's at the upper echelon. I mean, Wes Anderson is close, but obviously not as close because when you see. I mean that. Listen, Fresh Dispatch did really well, and people mm-hmm. started trickling back in. But this is a flood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This this was, um, uh, uh, you know, everyone from Beverly Hills and everyone from the Upper West Side and all these people who had been, you know, maybe staying behind locked doors, uh, not going to the movie theaters. They came out for this, finally. This one dragged them out of their coffee shops, got them to put down, 
their New York Times and their Wall Street Journals and their trade mags and finally come out to the art house. Yeah, it's open in four theaters. And yeah, man, 86289 dollars per theater. Wow. So this is also a movie that the uh and this is MGM, right? This I believe is let me check. It is MGM, I think. So yeah, it's MGM and MGM is they are fully platforming this movie. They are not Smartly. doing Yeah, it's it's a mistake that we've been seeing this year. You know, it was a, it was a mistake that we all called out with the way Focus Features put out last night in Soho where they threw that movie down onto thousands of screens immediately instead of platforming it. And MGM is doing the old-fashioned way of opening an art house movie, which is you platform it, you get that huge buzz from the art houses, you get that the great notices on shows like the B.O. Boys where we're talking about the per screen average, and you use that buzz to then slowly roll it out into bigger theaters, more theaters. Eventually, you put it in the stacks, you, you give it to the plain billies, you give it to the earth dogs, but you can't start that way. You got to start with the art house. Yeah, I, and, and we have tickets for this. Mm-hmm. And so I do think it's, you know, it's expanding a little bit and you're, you're going to see that this this could make over a million dollars in very, very limited release, which is going to look really good for it when those casuals, like you said, see those headlines and want to figure out what Licorice Pizza is all about. Because mm-hmm. listen, the, the Plain Billies and the Earth Dogs and the Stacks Dwellers they don't want the coastal elites to tell them how to live. They don't want the coastal elites to dictate a, a way of life to them. But let's be honest, they do want the coastal elites to tell them when a movie is going to be good. Yeah. They don't want coastal elites to write their property taxes and, and, and uh, you know their laws and everything for them. They don't want that. But let's be honest. They want the Coastal Elites to tell them that the new PTA movie is awesome. They want that. They crave that. They need that. It's one of the only things that, in their mind, we are good for. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. So they need that validation from the art houses in the stacks, and I'm happy to give it to them. So when we're looking when we're looking here at art house mm-hmm. because there is not any big films going wide mm-hmm. on December third, but we do have Red Rocket, which is the Simon Rex starring mm-hmm. film from the the filmmaker who brought you the Florida Project. Mm-hmm. This is an A24 film, which is getting a limited release. You also have The Scary of 61st, okay. which is a horror film, a, a, a Epstein-based horror film that was directed by Dasha from Red Scare, who is okay. currently on the current season of 
Succession. Mm-hmm. Now, these films, do you think they will make an impact in the art house? Now, Simon Rex is getting some Oscar buzz. Yeah. Getting legitimate. His name is up there with Big Willie. Mm-hmm. Denzel Washington. Mm-hmm. Leo. Mm-hmm. Cumberbatch. Yep. Okay, so we dropped a little bit of a peg there, but this these are big big dogs that he's going to be going up against. And if this movie has a good per-screen average, this could help him getting the nom, the nom-nom-nom, because he's not going to win, and he's probably not going to get a nom-nom-nom. But there's a possibility that if this opens the power of the box office, if this opens with a... It's not going to beat Licorice Pizza with the per screen average, but if it makes some good money in this art house, this revitalized, you know, art house, this could be good. Yeah, Simon Rex is going to need Red Rocket to really get some, to, to make enough money at the art house this weekend where there really is some coverage of it. You know, Simon Rex is going to need the B.O. Boys and Anthony D'Alessandro and Scott Mendelson and Jeff Bach at Exhibit Relations Co. and Anthony D'Alessandro to be writing next weekend and talking on mic next weekend about how Red Rocket really overperformed in its opening weekend. He'll because need we've that. seen we've seen these adult art house films crash and burn Mm -hmm. and with them go any sort of oscar nomination nom 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 which would then boost your box office right Right. eyes of tammy faye i'm looking at you that's the big one that's the big one that red rocket cannot have the box office buzz that came out of the eyes of tammy faye's opening weekend because I mean, Andrew Garfield, I guess, is getting nom, nom, nom uh, uh, buzz for his Netflix movie, the Tick, Tick, Boom. But he's not a contender for Eyes of Tammy Faye. And I think Jessica Chastain is not a contender for Eyes of Tammy Faye, basically because of how poorly that movie did at the box office. So Yeah, because she was a front runner. She was a front runner. Yeah. And and now I think her nom 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 uh, 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 possibilities are slim and none, and slim is probably leaving town. And Simon Rex is gonna need Red Rocket to do well. And so if I'm Simon Rex, you know this this is this is big. Gather your whatever uh, online presence he still has, whatever connections he still has. That he was an MTV VJ, right? Yeah, he was a VJ. He was a rapper. He was a star of the scary movie films. So he's got to get himself whatever connections he still has, whether it's executives or or if it's just security guards, get himself on MTV this weekend promoting this film, uh, uh, put out a rap, a Red Rocket rap, and, you know, maybe get some of the stars of the scary movie franchise on a Ferris and such to... To, to tweet out support for this Red Rocket because he needs Red Rocket to rocket at the Art House box office if he wants uh, a- any chance at an Oscar nom nom nom. 
Well, you know, licorice pizza greased the wheel there. There, there's yep. there's people who went to their art house cinema, mm-hmm. saw licorice pizza, probably saw because it's an A twenty four film by a well liked director. Mm-hmm. Saw a a trailer for Red Rocket, most likely. So it's whether or not they go and pull the trigger and say, you know what, next weekend I'm going to go to the movies again. Yes. And that will mean a lot for Simon Rex, and it will mean a lot for box office in general and art house cinema. That, that is such a great point, that this Red Rocket might be opening on the perfect weekend because Licorice Pizza got so many eyeballs on it last week. You know, so many people, like you said, saw that trailer before Licorice Pizza. So many people went back to the Angelica for the first time or, or, you know, and they saw the poster for Red Rocket. They saw Simon Rex's face staring at them in their art house and they said, that's something I'm interested in. I'll see that next. Or did they? Or did they? But at it least, remains to be seen. At least he's got a fighting chance because people are going back to the art house because of licorice pizza. And maybe they'll be into seeing a Simon Rex film. Maybe they won't, but at least they'll be aware of it now. And they'll be going back to the place where Simon Rex is going to be. Um, the so, scary of 61st, the, the uh, uh, Red Scare Dasha movie... I mean, to me, that is a movie that in the end will probably be measured more in Patreon dollars than in box office dollars. I, I don't see that being a real box office movie, but but who knows? But I, I, think I think it's also going to premiere on Shudder at some point. I think this might just be a perfunctory small release for it to be eligible for awards. Gotcha. Okay. That that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, I, I I don't know if there's a huge theatrical audience for this, but it, it'll probably do well on Shutter. It'll definitely do well on Patreon. Um so I think yeah, Red Rocket. Red Rocket is gonna be the story we're gonna need to talk about next weekend when we come back. And and we will look at those numbers and we'll let you know what that uh, uh, foretells for Simon Rex's Oscar nom 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 chances. So with nothing new, mm-hmm. next weekend, do we want to still hazard a guess for our top fives? I mean, looking at it, my top five, I mean, the question really is, because I don't see Red Rocket getting into the top five and... Uh, Licorice Pizza is not expanding wide, so that's not going to get into the top five. And there's no new wide releases. So the question is, does the current top five change at all? Oh, I think 100% Ghostbusters overtakes Encanto. I was just going to say that, too. I think that is what happens. I don't think House of Gucci passes Encanto. And so I think we're both going to be on the same page. I mean, I'll say mine. I think Ghostbusters Afterlife moves up to number one, which is going to be a huge story because anytime a movie moves up to number one after having not been number one the week before, that's always 
uh, uh, something of note. So that'll be a yeah. big deal. But I think Afterlife goes number one. I do think Encanto is number two. House of Gucci, three. Eternals, four. And then I would say Clifford the Big Red Dog does move into number five. And Resident Evil, Welcome to Raccoon City, more like Welcome to the bottom half of the top ten. You know what? I can't argue with any of that. That was going to be mine. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and I think that, yeah, the two big things to look out. Well, the things to look out for, obviously, Red Rockets, Art House Numbers, Ghostbusters Afterlife. If it does get to number one, that is going to be a huge story. And the hold of House of Gucci in its second weekend. I think you really want to see this movie have a hold. No low, you know, no worse than 50 Five percent, and ideally, it does get into the forties. Yeah. So we'll see if that happens. Um, and then we, of course, had Dune. Just a little footnote here: Dune did cross a hundred million dollars, which great. it needed to. It needed mm-hmm. to to get that to to get that sequel. It it went back onto some IMAXs where people really enjoyed that film, and and so I think you know it's. You know, it's that's one of those things that D'Alessandro was uh, was yelling about is that mm-hmm. we can't really make any sort of judgment on Dune right now. I think mm-hmm. it's really going to be this Dune sequel. What this Dune sequel does. Well, and listen, and we're not going to see that for a, for a couple years. And you got to give credit to Dune in the sense that Blade Runner 2049 came out in 2017 in a totally normal time for box office. And that movie topped out at $92 million domestic. So even in this post-COVID time at the box office, even when it was available day and date on HBO Max, Dune did trounce Dylan other you know, bloated sci-fi epic from four years ago. Yeah. You know, Dune had a worse situation to perform in and it did better. So overall, that's a, that's a good comparison for Dune. That is true. So Pat, I think we did it. Oh, we Where can it. they find us? Email us at the BO boys podcast at gmail.com. Let us know. If you are going to be supporting Simon Rex's Oscar campaign by seeing Red Rocket in your local art house this weekend, and if you're out in the stacks, email us at the boboyspodcast at gmail.com and let us know if these big art house numbers for Licorice Pizza have gotten you excited, if the coastal elites have, uh, you know, as they should, dictated your taste and gotten you ready for liquor speech. So let us know. The B.O. Boys podcast at uh, gmail.com. And check out our Substack. Check out Brendan Gray's Box Office Revival and Clubhouse. We've already mentioned that earlier in the episode. He's he's over there having conversations, talking about B.O., doing God's work. Yep. But, Pat, I don't think there's anything left to say. No. Except for... Until next time, we'll We'll smell smell you at the the box box box.